Now, there are many times, well, not many times, sometimes, and actually not many times, but sometimes, and if we're lucky, issues of Christian living, I'm talking Christian morality, Christian ethics, if we're lucky, these kinds of issues are very straightforward. There are questions in life, of the Christian life that are black and white. It's either yes or no, right or wrong, go this way or that But as we should all know, whether we're a new Christian or we've been a Christian our whole lives, most of the time, issues of Christian living are not straightforward at all. These questions of life are often varying shades of gray. And that's what we see here as we consider the story of Mordecai in the book of Esther. Uh, our passage today begins, we started with the end of chapter 2. As Esther, remember, she's in the king's palace now. She's his queen. She has done all of the purification and she's eaten all the food. She's gotten all the makeup done. She's gone through the whole beautification process. A year has passed since they have taken her, someone to kidnapped her and um, put her into the service of the king, right? And so this has happened, and Mordecai, uh, we're not told explicitly what he does, but he's in Susa, he lives there, he works there. Obviously he has a way to make a living because he supported himself and Esther. <coughs> and he has sort of the clout to be hanging out at the, king, at the city gate which is where all the, all the, everything happens, okay? And as he's known around, he hears and overhears this plot to kill the king. <coughs> and you have to keep in mind, this is a king of a nation that has colonized uh, Mordecai's people. The reason why Mordecai is in Susa and not in Jerusalem is because the Persians have taken over his people. But regardless, he overhears this plot, and because his cousin is Esther, uh, he, he relays this message to her, and this message gets relayed to the king, turns out to be true, and they write it down in this big old book. Shortly after that, though, there's this new representative of the king, his name is Haman, and because he is a man of reputation, he is a man who is high up in this governmental society, in this big bureaucracy, as he walks into the city, uh, and as he walks to and fro from his government dealings, everybody's bowing to this guy, giving him the respect, but not Mordecai. Not Mordecai. And so we see sort of we sort of see this issue pop up. <coughs> it's very great. Because on one hand, Mordecai obeys, bows down to his oppressor, the king of the nation that has colonized his people. But on the other hand, he will not bow down to this guy. Who has been appointed by, this, by the same king? Who has been, who, through the king, it is commanded that you bow down to this king? 
And we see this, we look, we, we can read this and we can step back and we ask, what's going on? Why is this so great to Mordecai? And we can compare what's happening, not just in this passage with Mordecai, but throughout the whole book of Esther. Uh, we can compare it and contrast it <coughs> to, let's say, a guy like Daniel and Daniel's friends. What happens in the book of Daniel? If you, uh, you're familiar with what happens with Daniel and his friends, remember Daniel, he too is captured and brought to the service of this time the Babylonian king. And uh, you all know my feelings about the Daniel fast. But why is the Daniel fast a thing? Why does Daniel say that I'm only going to drink water and eat vegetables, I'm not going to have any of the royally appointed meats or bread or any of these things? Right? He holds to this fast in the beginning of that book because it is his conviction that he should not be eating foods that have been offered to idols. He should not be eating foods that are not kosher, according to his dietary um, convictions. Right? We fast forward a, a chapter or two, and we see his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they are, okay, they are commanded, right? They're, it is demanded of them to bow down to this statue and idol. And they refuse. They refuse to do this. Why? Because it is their conviction, according to the law of Moses, second commandment, right? Ten words that they should not be bowing down to any god or any, any image. They should not be bowing down to anything at all except to God. Fast forward a few chapters later. There is a law and an edict that is passed because um, <coughs> these people be mad petty. And in fact, the law that says you cannot pray to anyone except the king. <coughs> Daniel defies this law. It is a law. It is a, a rule handed by the governmental authorities. But he defies it. Not only does he defy it, but he goes up to his second floor window and opens it wide for the whole city to see. And he bows down and kneels on the ground three times a day and prays west towards Jerusalem. He prays by an open window despite its illegality. Illegality. It's not illegal. It's not illegal. It's illegal. Okay, bye bye. And then he gets thrown. That's where we get the story of the lion's den. That is the reason why they thrown him. And to Daniel, to Shadrach, to Meshach, and Abednego, these issues that they're coming into contact with, these issues that they have to make decisions about, they're not gray at all, right? They're black and white. And we see these figures in the Bible, and they're making a stand for God. They're making a stand for their faith. Dan and Daniel, they'll say it, right? Um, for them, these issues are black and white issues. And again, there are times, sometimes, if we're lucky, if the good Lord has blessed us, we will come into uh, issues, maybe not as intense, and I, I hope not as intense, but that, that is what Jesus promises us, but we'll come into issues, run into issues that are very black and white. Right? <coughs> um, and if we're a Christian, 
if we hold fast to the conviction of Christ, of Christ our Savior and our Lord, uh, we will hold fast to these black and white conditions. My, my, one of my uh, in Westman, they put everyone in a prayer group on Thursdays in prayer. And my prayer group professor's wife, she's an incredible woman, uh, Mrs. Dr. Poitras, and uh, she was telling us, like, you know, all, a lot of the times, uh, Christians will, like, imagine this, like, scenario. It's like, oh, someone, like, holds a gun to your head. Like, oh, do you believe in Jesus? Or, you know, we're not students, right? Uh, and something like that literally happened to her. She was, like, overseas on missions, and it was either a gun or a knife. I don't remember. Uh, but essentially, it's like, will you deny Christ, right? And she told us, actually, in that moment, it's really not that hard, right? It's like, it's really not that hard. Because um, if you're a Christian, like, in that moment, the whole, she was telling us, like, the Holy Spirit just fills you with this peace. It's like, wow, I'm about to meet Jesus. And, uh, and then, but the point of her saying that was not actually like, oh, in the, in the like, gun to your head moment, will you reject Christ? That's not, that wasn't her point. Her point was actually, in fact, the gun to your head moment is a lot easier than living a life continuously, day by day, for Christ. Uh, I'm getting a little sidetracked right now, but, um, but yeah, so for, Dan, for Daniel, black and white issues. But then we come to the story of Esther and Mordecai. And we see a completely different picture. We don't see people who see these issues as black and white. We see a whole 50 shades of gray, you might even say, right? Uh, look at chapter 2, verse 9. As Esther is going through this beautification process, she, uh, the young woman, Esther, pleased him, her boss, and won his favor. And he quickly provided her with her cosmetics and her portion of food. <coughs> Why is this important? Uh, because <coughs> the next chapter we read that Esther had not made known her kindred or her people as Mordecai had commanded her. For Esther obeyed Mordecai just as she was brought up by him. No one knows that she's Jewish. No one knows that she worships God. If she is Jewish, she adheres to kosher dietary values, right? She adheres to the law, the, 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 uh, everything it says in the Torah, right? But they're feeding her, and they have no idea that she's Jewish. So we can absolutely guarantee that what she is eating is not kosher, has probably been offered up to idols. Um, and not only that, um, Mordecai, we just saw it. He has no problem serving the king that is oppressing him and his people. Right? He, has, he has no problem bowing down to the king. In fact, in chapter 8, we'll read in a few weeks, when Esther invites the king uh, to a banquet, she, what does she do? She bows at his feet. She falls prostrate before him. Right? Mordecai has no, no, no problem serving this king. In fact, he goes out of his way to protect him. And so we read these, we can see these two um, approaches to Christian life. On one hand, we see Daniel and his friends. And everything to them is black and white. <coughs> you're either adhering to the law or you're not. And we see Mordecai and Esther, 
who are clearly, as we read the rest of the book of Esther, they're clearly faithful Jews. And yet, they're willing to compromise. And yet, at some, at some points in the story, uh, they see it not as a black and white issue. Not that they're rejecting God, but they, they see it as a gray issue. That we are afforded uh, some leeway in this particular moment. Right? Uh, we don't know exactly the, the theological underpinnings of why Mordecai and Esther did what they did. And perhaps what they did uh, wasn't theological at all. Perhaps what they did was purely out of survival. Right? Uh, they asked for forgiveness later, I guess. We have no way of knowing that. But as we examine, as we continue going through the book of Esther, uh, I just want to offer us some principles as we as we see these things happening. Right? So it's like, which one is it? Are we supposed to be like Daniel? Or are we allowed to be like Esther Mordecai? Well, I, let me offer up uh, some principles for answering that question. <coughs> Firstly, and I'm going to sound like a broken record, but all of our thoughts and all of our actions should accord with Scripture. Everything that we think and everything that we do should align with what the Bible has to say. And I would argue that both Daniel and Mordecai are acting in accordance with the Scriptures. And we'll talk about maybe the inherent contradiction in that later. Right? But what is the basis of Daniel's actions? Why? Is he fasting or doing this Daniel fast? Right? Why isn't he doing the Esther fast? No one ever talks about that. Next month we're doing the Esther fast, guys. Non-stop meat and wine. Okay. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> why is he doing the Daniel fast? Why is he refusing to bow down to idols? Why is he praying by this open window? Well, it's because the basis for his thoughts and his actions is the Torah. It's the law of God. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, uh, Numbers. And he lives his life and he makes these decisions according to the law of God. <coughs> the Torah. And I'm specifically saying the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Why? Because the basis of Mordecai's actions is also the word of God. But he has in view what uh, we call the Nebuchadnezzar. The history of God's people. The Hebrew, just a quick OT lesson for you guys. Okay? Uh, the Jewish Bible, the Old Testament, is called the Tanakh. The reason why it's called a Tanakh is very similar to how Koreans like to, like, you know, like Shemek, like they like to stick the first letter of the word. So it's Torah, a Nevi'im, and um, Ketuvim. Right? So it's Tanakh. So it's Tanakh. Right, so next time you're on Jeopardy, you, can know, you know that, okay? But how do we know that Mordecai is basing what he, how he's acting according to the Nevi'im, the history of God's people? Why, what, for instance, like, why is he bowing down to the Persian king, but he won't bow down to this lowly government official? Well, it's because of the history of the Bible. It's because of biblical history. It's because of what's going on with God's people. And... Because the book of Esther, whoever wrote it, specifically points out that Haman, verse, verse, verse 1 of chapter 3, right? After these things, King Ahasuerus promoted Haman, Haman what? Haman the Agagite. Haman the Agagite. 
We make a point, a point of showing you this. And what is the, why is being an anti-guy so important? Well, let me just read you from uh, Dr. Duguid's commentary. Dr. Duguid is a professor from my school. He wrote a commentary on, on Esther. And here's what he writes about the history of the Agagites. So when Israel came out of Egypt, the Amalekites, different people, the Amalekites attacked them in the wilderness, for which God cursed them and condemned them to extinction. Okay? Because of that assault, <coughs> God declared that there would be a lasting enmity between the two peoples, the Israelites and the Amalekites. And he committed himself to blot out all remembrance of Amalek from the face of heaven. Now in the time of King Saul, fast forward to Saul, God sent Israel to carry out that sentence on Amalek, destroying man and beast. Right? So God told Saul, destroy everything. But Saul failed to carry out the terms of holy war as God commanded him to do. Instead, he spared the best of the animals, and he spared the best of the people. And who was the best of the people? King Agag. He spared them. And Saul claimed that he had the best motives. He said he simply wanted to offer the animals as sacrifice before the Lord. Which, of course, leaves unanswered the question of what he intended to do with King Agag. A king's ransom is perhaps the most obvious goal in leaving him alive. In God's sight, however, obedience is better than sacrifice. Doing what God says is better than creatively attempting to produce our own plan to serve him. For this act of disobedience, because of this, Saul was abandoned by God and rejected. And so, the history of Agag, the people who are descended from this king, Agen. They only exist because God's intention was to blot them out from the face of the earth. But they only exist because of disobedience. They only exist because of Saul's sin. Because Saul rejected what God told him to do and decided to do whatever he wanted to do. And because Agag was let loose, free to run amok, what has now happened? Now the people that the sons of Agag now serve are oppressing the people of Israel. And the only reason why Haman finds out that Mordecai is a Jew in the first place is because in order to account for this story, in order to give a reason why he's not bowing down, it must be known that he is a Jew. Right? This is the history of the Jewish people. And yet this history is rooted in the Word of God. Right? What is it that recounts the history of the Jewish people? It is the Nebuchadnezzar. It is um, <coughs> Joshua. It is Judges. It is um, all that comes after that. Right? Um, and so, our principle for Christian living, the first one is that our thoughts and our actions should accord with Scripture. Um, but then you're like, hey, but then you've got like these two completely different approaches to Christian living. So how are we to trust um, our approach to the Bible? The second, the second principle I want to offer to you, these are big words, if you're taking notes, I'm sorry. But it is to be aware of when we are eisegeting and when we are exegeting. 
right? Ice means in and ex means out, okay? So what do I mean by eisegesis and exegesis? Exegesis, in a nutshell, is what does the Bible say? What, the, what is coming out from the word of, it's a fountain. What is coming out? What is the material? What is the, what is the Bible saying? Uh, eisegesis is inserting yourself into the word of God. The difference, you can say, is eisegesis is what the Bible says to me. Exegesis is what does the Bible say? And um, especially in our Bible reading, I would highly encourage you to, even though you probably have like a verse of the day on your um, Bible app or whatever, like if you're going to do a verse of the day thing, like read like at least a couple of verses before and after, right? Uh, read these things in context, right? Um, you know, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me, right? Like, is that just so that you can hit your max? Or is there something else involved? All right. Um, and I would also caution, like, I don't want to scare people from doing small groups, but like, this is a potential danger in small groups, right? Because as we're reading the Bible together, and when these words come out of your mouth, or my mouth, like, you know, what it means to me is, you can just stop right there. Right? Um, but what I think it means is, Stuff, right? So uh, it's important for us, that even as we accord with Scripture, that we're not inserting ourselves uh, into Scripture, but we're letting the Scripture speak to us. Right? We're not speaking into Scripture, Scripture is speaking to us. <coughs> um, now, okay, so how to handle the, the seemingly contradictory elements of living according to Scripture? Uh, my answer is, there is no answer. Right? Not, there is, not that there is no answer, but the next two um, principles I hope will inform how we approach this. Right? The first is that we judge and yet not condemn. Right? Judge and yet not condemn. Well, it's very popular, especially when you're like 15. Don't, don't judge me, bro. You come to church. Uh, you're high as a kite, and you're like, uh, and you're just like, don't judge me, bro. Only God can judge me. Yeah. Um, uh, again, when you read the Bible exegetically and all those passages about judgment, uh, we're not actually called to not judge. We're called to judge rightly. Right? And, um, and God has given us eyes. He's given us ears. And he's given us brains to see and to hear and to analyze what is happening in front of us. Especially when it comes to our brothers and sisters in the faith. And so, uh, what we are called to do is actually, especially in the context of the church, we are called to judge one. We are called to judge whether or not the Holy Spirit is sanctifying us and whether we are taking part in that sanctifying work of the gospel in our lives. Um, and yet, in our judgment, that we are not condemning Pharisees, when they, uh, the problems with their judgment is that one, their judgment was incorrect. And when they saw Jesus, 
and what he was doing with all his healing and all his miracles and, his, and all his preaching. Now he was picking grains on the, on the Sabbath. He was healing on the Sabbath. They were judging him incorrectly. They were judging that the Sabbath was incorrect. And not only that, they were condemning him. This guy's a false teacher because we have judged him to be so. And how many times can we hop on social media or hop on maybe into this general Christian discourse and we hear something to the effect of, oh, you can't call yourself a Christian if you believe X or Y. You can't possibly be a Christian if you agree with this or agree with that. In a culture, in our current culture, hot takes and all or nothing convictions, will the Christian church judge rightly? Will the Christian church use the wisdom and discernment of the Holy Spirit in order to be more left than left and more right than right and more centered than centered, to be above as we are called? And we can only do that by the fourth principle if we live in a covenant community. Because as we are approaching the, the scriptures, and yes, the scriptures are final authority, and as we are <coughs> gleaning from this, um, we, we cannot do it alone. Um, that's why we do church. That's why we do small groups. That's why we do little book clubs. Um, Christian life cannot be lived alone. And as we take our approaches, and whether we take the Daniel approach or the Esther and Mordecai approach, what needs to happen is that the approaches live in covenant community. When we look at the sacraments of baptism, uh, why is infant why is infant baptism correct? <laughs> it's because it's not a baptism that is just for the child. It is a gospel for the whole family, and it is a gospel. It is a declaration of what Jesus Christ has done for the church. Why do we do the Lord's Supper? Why can't we do the Lord's Supper by ourselves? Why can't we just sit at home and do a little bread dipping in the wine? And because the Lord's Supper is meant for us to remind one another. Jesus Christ has died, Jesus Christ has resurrected, and Jesus Christ is coming again. We think about how the whole, the entirety of the scriptures, I heard this uh, again from Johnny Gibson, right? uh, the story of the world begins with a covenant community, it begins with marriage, right? Adam and Eve. The first miracle Jesus ever performs is where? It's at a wedding. In the, in the beginning of the end is the consonant consummation of the marriage of the church with Christ. As we see this, the image of husband and wife community, covenant together. Right? And what we read, what we glean, what we exegete from the Bible needs to be understood and contextualized, even as we apply it to ourselves and, and apply it to ourselves as individuals, we need to contextualize it in the revelation of God to our families, to our churches, our nations. We may not agree on many things, you and I. Uh, you may not agree with many things that other Christians from other churches believe. There, I, I know for a fact, me and Moksanin just across the room, we disagree on very, very important things. Uh, but what binds us together is not what we disagree on, but it's what binds us together is what we... Let me say this one more time. We may not agree on many things, but what binds us together is what we believe about a few things. What we believe about a few things. 
as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, For I deliver to you as of first importance, what is most important, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. And so, as uh, this praising comes up, may our condemnations for one another, whether we see the world in black and white, whether we see things in gray, uh, may our condemnations for one another be silenced. And may our wise and discerning judgments be worked out according to the scriptures. May it be worked out in covenant community with one another. And most of all, may it be worked out in the gospel of Christ. We can do all things through him who strengthens me. Why? Because he has died, he has been buried, and he has been raised again. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, it's so such a challenge for us, for us who long to be obedient to your word, to your law, to your commands. Yet, at the same time, have different convictions about how it is that we should apply the law, how it is that we should approach the grace of Christ. Lord, Father God, um, thank you for providing to us the principles for which to approach these various issues in our lives. Uh, you have given us the word which is sufficient for our salvation, sufficient for our sanctification, that though it's not giving us a step-by-step -step way to engage with the world, Lord, it is enough for us. Lord, Father, thank you so much for giving us a community, a community that is meant to lift us up and encourage us and at the same time challenge us to uh, call us to repentance and for us to together struggle with, with your word. But most of all, thank you for the gospel of Christ Jesus. We are not Christians because we do a thing. We are not Christians because even we believe a thing. We are Christians because Christ has died for us. We are Christians because Christ has conquered the grave. We are Christians because He has given us faith to trust in Him and Him alone. And so, Lord, through all the noise of the world, that we set our sights upon You, even as uh, we wrestle and struggle with these various issues of the Christian life, whether the obstacles and the Situations of our life are black and white, or they are many shades of gray. Would you, by your Holy Spirit, be with us and guide us through, not as individuals, as families, and as a church. In Jesus' name I pray.